0: So welcome to End Credits here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley
1: Salmon. Hope you're all doing good down in the Royal City, (laughs) G-Town.
0: So Peter, I wanted to ask you, uh, were you aware that Charlie Sheen starred as a billionaire hedge fund guy in a movie about 9-11 called 9-11?
1: no i was not aware of that
0: yeah yeah charlie sheen 9-11 truther was in a movie about 9-11 where he played a guy stuck in an elevator in the north tower
1: uh, i did not know he was a truther either
0: mm. yeah i only mentioned this because one of his co-stars in that movie was wood harris who is also a co-star in the movie we're, we're, review- we're reviewing today i was just looking up wood harris's uh imdb for uh you know fun and there it was 9-11 starring charlie sheen yeah, I've never never heard of it. Uh, see, he's also in The Wire,
1: right? I feel like The Wire might be more of his basis uh, for his quality of acting. But I haven't seen this Charlie Sheen film. It could be amazing. It could change my mindset on 9-11. Who knows? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm i not sure it'll change your mindset I'm about 9-11, but uh, hey, here's hoping. Uh, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk to the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new sports drama sequel, Creed 3, and you can now see that at a theater near you, uh, or even a couple of theaters. I think it's playing at both galaxies right now here in Guelph. That's going to be in the back half of the show, from the first half. Uh, I guess we could have went in the direction of... uh, (laughs) Boxing. Yeah, boxing movies, or uh, famous uh, third entries. Actually, I think we have done that one before. Um, The
1: majority would be, like, Rocky's, right? And we're kind of reviewing (laughs) one of the series, so it just wouldn't fully work.
0: Well, there there are others, like Raging Bull. Uh i think the fighter is it's either about mma or about wrestling yeah uh the wrestler the wrestler was actually
1: pretty good Although I guess it was wrestling, not boxing.
0: It was not wrestling. I guess we could have done like body contact sports, which could have opened it up to football, even. Yeah, and rugby. Wow, well, um,
1: sumo! There'd be a huge Japanese, sumo. China <laughs> door opening for films.
0: <laughs> that one sequence in the in Austin Powers Gold Member. Uh, uh, so that's the only thing
1: I could think of. Yeah, I got I got to step up. I got to watch more sumo films. It works.
0: <laughs> more sumo films. Uh, that that will be an interesting list when we get to that one day. Um, but for now, uh we're we're kind of recording this on Oscar weekend, so uh the Oscars were on Sunday night. uh not a lot of comedies up for Oscars, but that's usually the case. And so I just I I had this idea I I think I believe I saw it in a tweet like I get a lot of my ideas and just like the passing scroll of Twitter, but I was curious since we have peter here and he is a comedy expert um or a comedy enthusiast i don't want to put expert on peter if he's not feeling comfortable wearing that but (laughs) (laughs) i'll take it all right he'll take it uh so with peter here i my my thought was let's talk about movie roles that if oscars were a little friendlier to comedic performances they would have won Oscars or perhaps even just at the very least been nominated. So Oscar worthy comedic performances uh, that should have been given Oscars, but can't because Oscars has a strong comedy bias. Peter, would you agree?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Even when it comes to um, like, I sort of understand them not being in best picture, or at least that being based around, the comedic elements of the film because that is more, uh, it can be subjective, mm. uh, but I do think there's a lot of comedies that just even that aside, or at least it's uh interpolating with the other elements of the film, uh, that are great because those other elements are, are a standout as well, uh, and just like high quality writing, acting, directing, cinematography, a lot of elements that, uh, just are objectively great and that overpass the more uh, biased uh, elements of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, especially when it comes to screenwriting um, and even when it comes to laughs, even if it's not a funny joke per se, when it comes to writing, timing is such a huge part that right. I think that should be taken into account as well. Uh, and there's been some like the big mouth got a nom for best adapted screenplay. I think, I think it actually might've won. Uh, but it's it's so rare and it's mm. uh, yeah, it, it just really sucks. yeah, yeah, sucks a lot of Oscars.
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's get into uh, our Oscars uh, for comedy or comedy Oscars or os- comedies that should have won Oscars, comedic performances, uh, all that jazz. So Peter, if you could give an Oscar to one com- comedy or comedic performance, What would your first pick be?
1: Uh, My first pick would be Punch Drunk Love. I I think it's uh, objectively not only Adam Sandler's best film, but um, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's. I'd say uh, Phantom Thread. uh, Or sorry, of course, There Will Be Blood, Phantom Mm -hmm. Thread. And then I will say Punch Drunk Love as uh, his third greatest. Uh, And I absolutely understand Adrian Brody um, winning for The Pianist. But I do wish... It had gotten at least uh, a nom i would have been okay adam sandler getting a nom for best actor mm. um or paul thomas anderson just a nom for best director he uh won best director for that film at Cannes film festival right so i find it mm. interesting there was not even uh, a nom um and emily watson at the uh Toronto Film Critics Association won for Best Supporting Actress. She was remarkable in it, and I think she should have been part of uh, the Best Supporting Actress noms for that year, because, um, you know, it was Nicole Kidman, who I love. She's Well, actually, no, I don't. I don't love her. I don't know why I said <laughs> that. I like Nicole Kidman. She's cool. Uh, but it was for the hours as Virginia Woolf. Nothing uh, special. I, I've seen even on TV miniseries uh, Better Virginia Woolfs, You know, it, it wasn't like Austin Butler, Elvis uh, quality. So I would have been okay with, um, you know, Emily uh, Watson getting a knob there for Punch Drunk Love. Uh, and also just like regular things like screenplay. The, the dialogue is is outstanding. Um, Louis Goumont, him in it, the best supporting actor would have been great. There's just so many. Paul Thomas uh, Anderson for director uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's what I don't understand. Philip Seymour Hoffman has gotten so many noms. Why, why not for that one? He was uh, marvelous in it. Uh, maybe two... You know what? No, I was going to say maybe too small of a role. But mm. then uh, the Fablemans, Judd Hirsch, mm. he's hardly in it. He's got a nom. So I, I really think Punchdrunk <laughs> Drunk Love I picked first, uh, not because it's a great comedy, but because there's so many specific elements of it uh, in different categories of the Oscars it should have uh, gone into. Um, yeah, and I, I think they just honestly don't like Adam Sandler. Uh, and I don't think Louis Gaiman's ever been nommed, uh, including for Boogie Nights. Um, Mm. and I'm looking through right now Paul Thomas Anderson uh, over 10 nominations for Oscars and he's never won Uh, Mm -hmm. you know uh, Daniel Day-Lewis has won through his films but he's never won so I I just think it's really strange uh, that Punch Drunk Love didn't even get a nom like his others it's strange that none of his have won it's even
0: stranger Punch Drunk Love didn't get a nom Mm -hmm. I was going to say he did get the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical. Adam
1: yeah, that's and and like I said, the Cannes Film Festival. I just and Adam Sandler. That's the the Guijang International Film Festival. So that just to me makes it seem even more purposeful. The Oscars just mm. leaving it out, trying to make mm-hmm. I guess a, a statement on Sandler and the Sandman.
0: Well, it's interesting we start with the Sandman because he is also on my list, uh, not necessarily for a comedy. But uh, this is my cheat, uh, because I would have liked to have seen him at least get nominated, if not win. Uh, I really think he probably should have deserved to win. Um, And that is for uh, Uncut Gems in 2019. And, and, you know, I think there was uh, some talk from Academy members that essentially he was, well, blacklisted as a is a uh, triggering term for the uh for the Oscars. But uh I think it's true. Uh there was a kind of blacklist and there were comments from the Academy. It's like, oh Adam Sandler's not the kind of nominee you want. Mm-hmm. I think it's based purely on um the fact that he does movies that are called Big Daddy and Grown Ups 2 and <laughs> and and Who Be Halloween. The classics, <laughs> the classics yeah. yeah. <laughs> the canon. Um And, you know, it's interesting with Uncut Gems because he's playing kind of like a very Sandler-ish part uh, because the main character is kind of a a man-child in over his head. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's not an uncommon position for an Adam Sandler character uh, to find themselves in. The difference is that he kind of gives himself completely to uh, the tone that the safties are setting, the tension, the dread, the danger uh, whereas in the comedies you just of course assume it's all going to work out for uh whoever sandler's playing that's you know kind of the thing with the comedies is no matter how big an idiot he is he's he's not going to end up in the hospital or the or jail in the end he's he's going to win the game or accomplish the mission get the girl uh all that stuff None of that is what's going on in Uncut Gems, and it is, I, I think it's because of the familiarity with Sandler, and I think, you know, a lot of the, he he seems like just such a genuinely good guy in real life, and that sort of translates into, like, the roles he plays, no matter how big of an idiot he, he plays, there's this sort of genuine goodness, and so watching him flounder. Yeah,
1: still some warmth to it, absolutely. Yeah,
0: warmth, yeah, yeah, that's it. And just watching him flounder in this as... <laughs> He's desperately trying to dig himself out of the hole um, that he keeps digging himself deeper and deeper into this this kind of push pull of like he's trying to escape, but he can't help himself. Uh, this kind of like dead ender syndrome that he has. It's it's oh, I, I I still remember I, I didn't get a chance to see Uncut Gems in theater, which I, I regret. But um, on the other hand, I couldn't have <laughs> watched the climax of uncut <laughs> gems like while standing up like i watched it at, at home i was pacing too that's true become... that's true and it's all
1: well, i mean it, you could have but you might have gotten kicked <laughs> it's, out it's
0: yeah. yeah it would have felt weird um but i mean that's all sandler too and it's also yeah. um uh, who's the who's his brother-in-law baghazian um <laughs> is it, like that that back and forth of of um <laughs> even eric baghazian like becomes a true believer in the end which is hilarious but yeah, the fact that, that uh, I think Sandler won the Independent Spirit Award, but he did not get an Oscar nomination, which is all the more egregious. I mean, there were two really great lead male performances in 2019. Neither of them got Oscar nods. The other one I think of particularly is Willem Dafoe and The Lighthouse. And um, it is it, it continues to be a blight on the Motion Picture Academy that Both of those snubs happened in the same year that Joaquin Phoenix wins for playing of all things the Joker. So yeah, I
1: think that's the Oscars year it would have gotten a nom, right? And and oh yeah, uh, just all around, I I really. Antonio Banderas, I love. Pain Mm -hmm. and Glory is not a standout. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, great. I don't think Rick Dalton any grander than you know Brad Brad Pitt's character. I think he deserved it, Brad Pitt uh and then adam driver marriage story is awful like it's it's not a bad <laughs> f- it's a really great film but it's nothing special it's just kind of just kind of a boring character mm-hmm. uh and uh uh you know what jonathan two popes was sweet but i i still think even uh, adam, <laughs> adam sandler still deserved it over jonathan price absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I, I like I'm also two- I will admit I'm I'm not religious, but I was like raised Catholic, so there might be some, some bias there seeing uh, seeing the two popes go at it, you know. No no Obviously.
0: I I like the two popes too. I'm not sure it's uh no, I understand. I, I, I understand why it was nominated. I just uh it's you know anyway. Yeah, let's, let's move on to number two picks.
1: Yes. Oh so number two uh is for this year's Oscars. Uh okay. I actually was bros had gotten uh, a nom. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to get best film. I don't even, you know, I think deserves it. Comedy is is such a standout for why it's great. Uh, not like I said, other elements of a comedy that make it more objectable to review, uh, like cinematography and everything, dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the script writing, not not the, the pace. That's, of course, the acting. Uh, but I really do think it should have gone a nom for uh, screenwriting. I, I think uh, Billy Ackner and Nicholas Stoll are really did a hell of a good job together every back and forth between the two main is you know making me laugh my butt off and it it, i thought flowed pretty well uh and uh just really great and i I think it was a special film too right i i think because of that and how much a special new sort of plot was able to be written uh so well um that you know it it really did deserve that Uh, i also think it's really important to uh give more attention to the lgbt uh q plus you know culture society people mm-hmm. and uh the new writings of those works that are uh coming about which i think yeah includes uh bros at least for last year mm-hmm. um and i also think nicholas stoller uh i don't think he deserves it for direct But I just say I do think it's strange he's never gotten uh, a screenwriting or any sort of nom of that nature. Uh Forgetting Sarah Marshall is is objectively uh a remarkable comedy, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um and I I do think it's weird it it should have gotten a nom for uh best soundtrack or composition or or something of that nature, right? Like Jason Siegel's song there is is brilliant. Uh and I think just like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where it's laid out and the dialogue back and forth is brilliant. That it's it's the same for bros. And again, I don't think any major noms, but like the uh Big Sick, I think it should have gotten some more minor uh, screenplay written ones. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah. It's... Yeah, Bears number two. You mean bros? Bros, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Although bears is uh, bears you know, are a huge part of it, yeah, yeah, know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, uh, that might be a case, and this may be cu- where writing nominations for screenplays come into uh, issues. Well, because
1: is, p- pacing is such a huge part of uh,
0: comedy, right? That I, think, well, I was uh, going to say improv too.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Like, ooh, did was that in the script, or did he really say that? And yeah, but you, uh, know. you know,
1: in square brackets, like improv mm. is put into. The screenplays, right? So, like, mm-hmm. even that uh, needs to be remembered for one one. You know, we're thinking about uh, great improvs, but also the writing towards it.
0: Oh, there's a difference between something like Bad Trip, which is like essentially like a, a candid camera movie with a like a, it's candid camera with a plot, but um, <laughs> and something like, you know, one line. There's also something like Ghostbusters 2, which, you know, some people say was like 60, 70% improv, but.
1: That's maybe too much.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I
1: All know right. a hot hot tip time machine too was horrendous and it was like 90% improv. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sticking with acting and uh if I were an Academy member in nineteen seventy-four, I would have given a nomination to Cleveland Little for Blazing Saddles. Uh Cleveland Little is uh Bart, who is the new sheriff hired Uh, for this town, and uh, he is set up to fail because he is black in the Old West, and uh, so he does not exactly immediately win over the townspeople. The N-word is used fairly liberally, uh, which was uh, even an issue at the time. Um, let alone an issue here and now, especially if you want to go on YouTube and see some of those clips and just uh, how how gently the N-word rolls off the tongue, which is you know entirely the point. Um, but Cleveland Little, uh, not only is he stepping into the shoes of Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor co-wrote the screenplay, was supposed to play the sheriff. Um, he could not get an insurance coverage because of uh, his drug problems at the time. So in clubs Cleveland Little, who is mostly known for his stage experience on and off Broadway at this point. And here he is in the midst of uh such rare comedy talent as Gene Wilder, Madeline Kahn, uh also Henry Corman, who was at the time uh on the, the Carol Burnett show, Harvey Corman, excuse me. Um uh, Mel Brooks, of course, comedy legend in and of himself. Uh so you know imagine this guy (laughs) cleveland little being brought in as the straight man too and that's the thing it's like almost everybody in in blazing saddles is one kind of character or another except uh cleveland little who is the straight man and the straight man is always underestimated in comedies to be the the calm eye of the storm as all the zaniness goes on around you and uh he he does that with sort of remarkable uh grace and uh (laughs) <laughs> it, re- it requires so much of him um this madcap that's like deconstructing the western it's a statement on race it's a statement on westerns it's a statement on i mean it's also meta because the whole th- the final battle literally spills out of the studio and onto neighboring sets and then into downtown burbank and it ends with them literally going to watch blazing saddles the movie um so it's just it's <laughs> I can't imagine walking into this being like a little known Broadway actor and uh having to, <laughs> having to um be the the glue that holds this this thing uh I <laughs> I heard Dana Gould talk he says he asked Mel Brooks like how did you you know he asked Mel Brooks how you know you probably wouldn't have gotten blazing saddles made today and Mel Brooks told him uh I barely got it made then <laughs> So, yeah, it <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of remarkable in all sorts of ways. And I think, um, I think Cleveland little, uh, deserves more, more credit for, for well, like glue, like for gluing all that together. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. A straight actor. Their role, their importance is very, uh, underrated, you know, how, how, how much they're needed for the, the jokes to bounce off of, but, uh, how they make those bounces much higher and grander. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah also blazing saddles i got academy award noms too i got three so it's just Mm -hmm. really strange they're very picky choosy about what parts of great films to not nom
0: it's just yeah it it just feels a bit strange to, to overlook the guy um who's kind of the at the center of it um but anyway uh that's my second pick so that brings us to the third pick so you could give us your third pick
1: yes so my third pick is morad okay. cultural learnings oh, of yes. america for make benefit glorious nation of kazakhstan yes uh and it's it's i think you know i think sasha baron cohen should have got a nom uh for best actor i think larry charles for best director uh and i think it should have won because it did get nom for it uh, i think it should have won the best adapted screenplay uh which included i always forget todd phillips he was one of the one of the head writers so mm-hmm. that's, that's interesting uh but i think especially because it's it's new it's it's something that uh at least regarding film because obviously the alley g show is existent borat was existent but regarding you know the big screen film borat it, it's new you know it's it's a completely fictional story that's real you know and <laughs> it's just caused so much disarray and just so much response to how crazy it was that i think that how many people got mad at him and how we hadn't seen that before i think is just further proof of how uh different it was but also because borat was very important regarding how awful some american mindsets are towards uh race gender sexuality uh it was a really brilliant way of looking at uh, the States and their flaws mm-hmm. uh, and also at Kazakhstan and some of their uh, a little anti-Semitism, I think was, was um, portrayed really well in Borat. <laughs> uh, and I it had such an effect, right? That Kazakhstan was, was very mad and I think banned him and the film and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it had, it had an effect. His work, uh, Borat had an effect and uh, he is Borat in it. Uh, I knew who Sasha Baron Cohen was, right? But I, I still, I, I viewed it as, as Borat. He's Borat. And uh, when it comes to the screenplay as well, like we mentioned, uh, timing is such a part of it. Uh, and just which comedic elements slapstick, what scene are they in? How is it being done? Um, and the it's one of the earlier scenes where he's having soul fun with, the hotel chairs and how there's like three of them <laughs> just that's the timing of it how well he does it the dialogue he uses the screenplay is just marvelous you know mm-hmm. it, it's just a scene about how cool hotel chairs are and it's hilarious it's it's la it's laugh out loud the whole thing so i really think yeah borat should have gotten numerous noms yeah at just... least directing screenplay a uh, one for screenplay and then uh acting of course i, I also think uh, uh uh, the co-star, uh his buddy would have been <laughs> would have been a fun uh, uh
0: <laughs> he
1: was yeah. uh, uh, C- uh Ken Division as Azamat. He was real, you know, he was a real man, a real cosmic yeah. and portrayed <laughs> it well.
0: Yeah, I was I was thinking a lot about uh Sasha Baron Cohen um and, and Borat. You know, we we herald um well not not we necessarily, but you know, Hollywood loves like method actors, method acting, talk talking about the greatest method performance of all time. Um, to be that absurd and to be like at 11 all the time um, this isn't you know dustin hoffman staying up all night so he looks tired <laughs> it's you <laughs> know it's it, this is like fighting naked in a hotel dining room oh, uh, wow. so it's yeah Uh, he you know what's interesting too is maria bakalova got the uh, best supporting actress nomination and i mean that was in the 2020, uh 2020
1: yeah but the, i was i was yeah. glad that she got that yeah i
0: was glad and, she and got it, it too, won though. best
1: adaptive screenplay as well so it, or sorry i got nommed for it at those so it's uh right it did the amount of noms doubled for academy awards so
0: it was i, I mean i appreciate it was kind of like an off year for the movies uh almost literally but i mean it they they did <laughs> they did nominate her um so my number three is uh, sticking to comedy and stick uh, sticking to acting and um, sticking to actors. I I feel bad that I get a chance to put a, a, a you know an actress on this list, but I'm sticking to this one. Uh best supporting actor from 1998, Bill Murray for Rushmore. Um, this is the This is start of this. I mean, start of like kind of two legends. One is like the Bill Murray turn into like serious performance, and the other is like the um the beification of uh, Wes Anderson as a, as an auteur with uh unique world building and, and vision. Um, but not you know, as in your face is like Grand Budapest hotel. Yeah. Or, you know, the I the mean, focus it's... is
1: still more on the dialogue and acting. <laughs> I, find. I
0: mean, he, he didn't meticulously design Rushmore from the ground up or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, it it still feels like kind of a very, very real lived in world. Uh, you get Bill Murray and there's something about his performance that is, is mirroring sort of like the real life for Murray, that, um, he's looking for greater challenges. He's maybe feeling a bit played out, a bit tired out. And then along comes this young, imaginative, creative person who inspires him and, and drives him and, and encourages him to, to try new things and, and be more lively. And, you know, I think that's, that's the character, um, in in rushmore and i think that's also where bill and murray's at in his career i think it was the perfect role at the perfect time and i remember back in i guess it was 98 99 whenever that academy awards was bill murray not nominated and people were like shocked and appalled it's like well how could you not you know uh i mean this was also around the same time as truman show and jim carrey didn't get a nomination for truman show which you know again mm. that, that's kind of like that comedy reputation um yeah that 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 one uh,
1: should have been on my list too. Uh, I wish yeah, we were a, doing one. a 5, you know.
0: <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that one Sherman show. Yeah, uh, cuz you know, as soon as you talk Elvis. out of, as soon as you talk out of your ass you're not Oscar's material anymore. So it's mm-hmm. um it's that seems to be the way of things unfortunately and I think Bill Murray at the time, fix that certain type. of he's not—he's not Academy Award material, so we're not going to elevate him and give him a, like the bare minimum nomination. Um, because I think in in any other, I think in many other circumstances, that role an actor of of Bill Murray's stature probably would have, you know, been given at least a pity nomination, <laughs> um, which you know he he couldn't even secure that. And I think it's it's a shame, and you know it's um, Bill Murray kind of working with Jim Jarmish and you know working with Wes Anderson, and and doing these like lost in translation. You don't get all that without Rushmore, so no,
1: that's how we really yeah, started it.
0: Yeah, oh. that's I mean that's so that's the turn anyway. Um, you know it's now I'm kind of sad. That all these great comedic performances never get recognized, and you know I could have yeah, mentioned, me could have mentioned a ton more. One another one that struck out to me was like Nine to Five with Dolly Parton. You know, yes, she got a supporting because that's it's hard to make that. Not to say that Lily Tomlin and, and Jane Fonda weren't good in that movie, but I mean she makes that that trio. And so, yeah, uh, I think it was her first acting role too.
1: Yeah, well, I've looked at other like listings of it, and uh, Rushmore is like on all of them, and also for Jason Schwartzman and his his portrayal in that. Yeah, which I, I think's fair. He's oh yeah, he's great in that. I especially I remember I was as someone who was like his age when I viewed it. I it was I could, yeah definitely relate <laughs> uh, heavily to him. And I thought that was great. Uh, also, so many lists uh, have included Sister Act Whoopi Goldberg, which mm. uh, I think's good because it's been a while since I saw it, but I always forget it. It does deal heavily with uh you know like uh financial issues in different you know areas and, and such, you know? Mm. Uh poverty and, and all of that. So
0: race yeah, with their spoon in Elections another one I saw pop up. So
1: yeah. No. Oh, also I just want to say for sister act, like the, the choreography, her dancing, right? So yeah. and her singing that matters.
0: Did that not get like a music nomination? Like I feel like it got like a best song or something.
1: Yeah, it did. It's just she okay. didn't like get any noms for it.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's uh, that's it for our exploration of comedies. Anyway, not sure how to wrap up the segment, but if you miss the Oscars here on on Sunday, I'm sure it's easy enough to find clips. I wonder if anyone got slapped. Um, I think that should be the new Oscar tradition. Is the yeah,
1: up. one slap per year.
0: <laughs> one slap per year. Very cool. And they should have like maybe like an audience vote. Like have like <laughs> yeah, you know, who
1: who gets slapped or who does the slapping? Uh,
0: why not both?
1: That's true. true. What if it ends up being the same person?
0: Well, I mean, that's that's a situation where you maybe have like a ranked voting situation where maybe you go I think, like second place, like first think, place slaps second place or whatever.
1: I think tonight, uh, Jimmy Kimmel is just going to slap himself numerous times. I, I don't think I, he's going to say a word. I think he's just going to stand on stage and just keep slapping himself going <laughs> be like a piece of art.
0: People have to let us know if uh, Peter was right in that prediction. But for now, we are going to take a break and then come back with our review of Creed third, or as I saw somebody refer to it online as Threed. They really missed an opportunity there. Yeah, that's genius. Anyway, you're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
1: Straight to the top of the guts
0: got the glory, went the distance, now I'm not going to stop, just a man and his will to survive. It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of our rivals. The last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, he's watching us all with the eye. Tiger. They take your name And they, they give you a number That's how it starts.
1: I was the best though Yeah you were I was bro But I never got a chance to prove that Look all I'm saying bro If, if Apollo Creed
0: take a chance on some underdog why can't you okay then that was a clip from Creed 3 it is the new film from Michael B. Jordan and it stars Michael B. Jordan Mm -hmm. as well as Tessa Thompson Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Mila Davis Kent, Jose Benavidez Jr. and Felicia Rashad Uh, notably absent of course is uh, Sylvester Stallone this is the first well, Rocky movie uh, or, or Rocky franchise entry without uh, the man who plays Rocky, and uh, maybe Peter might have some thoughts on that. But I, I, do you have any idea what his
1: reasoning was? I know his comment was it just wasn't going in the direction he liked. But I just viewed it and like, what do you think he disliked about it? I have no I problem with him not. I have no problem with him not being in it. Like I, I do like Rocky, but it's, I'm not like. You know, a go to Sylvester Stallone guy. It's it's a lot I, of the times I, it was more the person he was fighting or uh uh Adrian, the coach, sort of thing. You know, there's a lot of uh <laughs> other people that I prefer to Rocky. So uh, I was okay with him not being in it. But I, I'm sincerely just curious, you know. I, I think I it's
0: I think he still has beef with Erwin Winkler. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Because he, he I think he made ten million dollars from Creed um all in like he doesn't Mm -hmm. have like he doesn't get any back end from it despite the fact he was the creator of rocky um he gave those rights away like he sold it he sold the screenplay for cheap um because his his caveat is that he wanted to play rocky and because everyone was like oh it's a good good script we don't want to hire you because you don't seem like a good actor but so he he let he let it go for cheap um so it could get made so we could you know have an acting role and i think there's still some resentment that they haven't uh, renegotiated.
1: I, I understand that. I understand that. I, I it's he's like based on who he is currently though, he could have gone a lot for this one, I think. But uh yeah it's just it's too bad um uh, well it's too bad but at the same time it, it just gave more screen time for uh michael b jordan and tessa thompson uh, yeah i think it's fine without him
0: i think it's spe- fine without him. yeah
1: if, if anything major because they could give a heavy focus on the new people you know uh also i thought jonathan majors was remarkable in it he was really really great and without uh you know with the rock there'd be not the rock without rocky uh <laughs> there'd be uh there would have been less of him you know what I mean? And I really yeah. thought he was great. Um I have not seen any of the MCUs where he's came the conqueror. Uh but you know, I'm I'm kinda glad he's going beyond that and doing doing more. There's kind of been a kind of downturn and how it's all going. Uh and he's amazing into Five blood. So I'm glad he is continuing to do well. Mm. Uh, but not just in you know, MCU uh, big franchise owned ones. Oh uh, well, Creed Three is a very big franchise, but it, it's not Disney owned. So I'm glad he's doing. I'm glad he's not just hanging out with Disney and doing Disney stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, they, and they...
1: yeah, they're remarkable in it. It, it. He was the kind of villain in this. Uh, I guess it's a bit of a spoiler calling him that, but the mm-hmm. kind that you you sort of are on his side for a large part of it. I, I could see why he is jealous uh, with Creed and and how he kind of pushed anger onto him. Uh, mm-hmm. to deal with that jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um and I think especially there's care for him and what he deals with because of the intro which is a really great uh well done flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought that was cool. Uh there hasn't really there wasn't too many of that in Creed 1 or Creed 2. Creed 1 we get a good look at uh where he was raised we do see you know the ghetto and everything but yeah. uh it had been a while and it was good to see a bit of his past again to get an understanding for how there is um some certain parts about fighting he, he's still scared about and some parts of the past that still bother him yeah. uh he screams about that two tests to thompson he about uh he just there's some things in the past he wants to leave there right it deals yeah. with that well
0: yeah this is the thing is that uh MCU got on the ground floor of Jonathan Majors and they were like really, really lucky um, that they got him early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. To, to be the new big bad because um, I can't imagine uh, him being like affordable for like that kind of like multi film, multi TV show commitment now. No. Um, no. I hope he doesn't. Well, I mean, this is it. It's like it, that whole it's it's had that feeling for a while MCU stuff that's, like, really confining. It, like, ties up really good actors into, you know, having, you know, third stringer parts in, you know, other movies while waiting to come back as the main character in other movies and then doing cameos and things. It's, I mean, that may be fine for some actors, but, I mean, for Jonathan Majors, who really does feel like he's on his way up, it's, and, and this, like, solidifies that. Like, he is... Mm-hmm. He is this movie, like, the, as you said, it's a lot of the Rocky movies, and um, the, the, certainly the past two Creed movies, have been played for a triumph, watching, you know, the, the lead character go from, well, essentially zero to hero, or, you know, how they meet the new challenge, um, Rocky Balboa of course where he's like coming back from old age and tr- you know trying to prove that he's he could, you know he's still capable. of
1: mm-hmm. uh, fighting loses, the fight. He loses though in Rocky Balboa, right? But then he gets um, like a, he still gets like an applause. He's still the one that gets the
0: applause cuz if you know. I remember from Rocky Balboa, it's technically they fight a to draw. a draw but uh <laughs> the the challenger gets is wins by points uh because there's no knockout. Um, but I mean, the original Rocky ends with Rocky essentially losing to to Apollo Creed. It's it's mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to stand up for all fifteen rounds that it makes him triumphant. That everyone thought that Creed would you know, murder him in the in the ring. Yeah. And um, to to get back to Creed three though, uh, there's none of that triumphalism in that in this, which it, it feels more like a tragedy than it does um sort of like a typical even typical sports movie where it's you know you, you have your hero you have your villain hero overcomes villain after uh, a training montage that that doesn't fit like that's not the game michael b jordan wants to play in this and no he's pushed back into it he's Pushed yeah.
1: back into it by his old friend
0: yeah there's so much like uh, so much about like, the regret in this um the fact that the, you have this um this friendship when they were young that just, you know they lost it because uh Dame uh goes to prison while Creed goes off and has this great boxing career and um retires as the undisputed champ now is in uh, you know an accomplished businessman he's in Ralph Lauren um <laughs> he has a great family um and th- th- there're a lot of key little moments with uh with him and his, uh with Apollo not Apollo um uh, Donnie and his daughter Um, the little tea party they have where he's wearing the dinosaur pajamas is is really cute Um, and then into this comes like the dark mirror of of dame who's been to prison and and wanted all this he wanted this career he wanted his shot to be a champion and he gets you know thrown into jail for 20 years and yeah you know how much of of that is like sorry go ahead
1: Oh, I just wanted to say, yeah, they really showed well how uh, he was angry that, uh, you know, Michael B. Joy, uh Donnie Creed was retired, right, at his age. And that's the thing. I yeah. think why he was a really likable villain is because, like, I totally got that right after the jail you know
0: that's the thing he's not really a villain though because he like he says straight up after getting out of jail and meeting up with donnie he's like i want to be champion he he tells donnie exactly what he wants this isn't a long con although we're kind of meant to like think that damien's like this plotter and schemer but i don't think he's I don't think it's that. I think he tells Donnie exactly what he wants right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it tragic. And on the Donnie side of what makes it tragic is like, it's in the back of his head. It's like, well, you know, and the ideas of like legacy have been chasing this character all through the, all through the series. You know, he doesn't want to take on his father's name in the first movie. He has to, you know, sort of rewrite that, family legacy in the second movie and in this he's kind of like well is is my whole legacy a lie um, mm-hmm. or, like the thing I've built for myself is that a lie because maybe I really stole it from this guy who was my friend who went to jail while I got away so there's a you know it, it's it, there's nothing triumph triumphant in the end no, he uh, didn't it, it, want yeah. to fight again you know and yeah. I,
1: I, I really think uh, what that does well is You know, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Creed's thoughts towards the boxing and him being happy retired, Mm -hmm. but being pulled back in, it shows Mm -hmm. how different boxing is from a lot of other sports. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other sports where even the best like Tom Brady, it's the Patriots that won, Mm -hmm. whereas for Creed, it's him for boxers, it's them. And -hmm. they're not the best NFL team, the best NHL team. They're just the best wrestler, period. Mm-hmm. and whenever someone wants to fight them to take that back they can and there is no strong league there's no boxing is is so privatized that it makes mm. mlb nfl whatever mls look like unions you know so it really <laughs> shows that well and, and how difficult uh it can be so i think just for boxer fans too it, it, it's a very accurate look at the sport
0: yeah, it, to your point, Tom Brady retires, comes back uh, as a Buccaneer and doesn't even make the playoffs and he retires again. It's it's interesting how sometimes you even the best players need that team alchemy to yeah to stay on top. But even
1: then, it's the that it's the Buccaneers that lost, right? Mm, not, not Brady, not Brady. You know, where is this? It's Creed. It's Creed and only Creed. Mm-hmm. And the title can be taken whenever, whereas NFL, <laughs> it's just every Super Bowl. You know when it's going to happen yeah the structure there's no
0: structure yeah. in boxing well that that's it too what, what i like about this though is um and, and jordan's talked a lot about like anime influences of all cockamamie things to, to bring into this <laughs> boxing movie um i really liked how the fights were different in this they look different they were staged differently there's a lot of uh you see a lot of seeds of of fighters analyzing um their opponents and, and looking for where the weaknesses are that I found interesting too. And oh the, yeah, the boxing was amazing. And the, the, the final, and I understand why it's divisive, but the final fight, which takes place in Dodger stadium. I love how they took over Dodger stadium and made it a boxing <laughs> ring. But, um, I mean so there's a big crowd and of you know it's it's there's a rhythm to these things and you know it's the big crowd the cheering of the crowd you have the announcers at the side making you know their commentary and all that mm-hmm. but at a key moment in the fight all of that goes away and it's just Dame and Donnie fighting in mm-hmm. the ring you know there's no crowd there's no announcers there's no um you know no ads everywhere <laughs> and you know no bright lights it's just these two guys and it's like it's like a the battle in their minds and you get these like snippets of them seeing each other as kids again like the 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 ring turns into a jail at one point it's like so it's as much about them fighting in their minds and and the, 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 their psych their their psychological stand during the fight and and i found that really interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to just sort of staging this as you know maybe stallone or whoever might have staged this fight and there's a lot of kugler influence (laughs) and i was i was thinking back to the first creed movie where where kugler was like really trying to think like trying to think of ways to unpack the fighting sequences to make them feel a bit different and there's that and the, the first sort of semi-professional fight that donnie has where he, he goes out and it shows him going into the black and you don't really see the fight you get like snippets of the fight mm-hmm. um but you don't really see the fight it, it's because it's it's, it's this, is, this is kind of like donnie finally trying to take up the mantle of a professional fighter and and match himself against the, the legacy of his father and uh, so th- there's i think i think Jordan borrowed a lot of that from Kugler, This idea that you know it's not about how great you film the fighting; it's about the psychology of what's going on in the fight, and um, as as opposed to just how well the the thing is shot. And I've I've heard a lot of people like the fight the, the final fight goes by pretty quick. and I was like, I, I'm not so sure. I think it was tight. I think this well,
1: it was tight, but they, there was also there was two fights, two great fights. So I was okay yeah. that like they weren't uh, ridiculously long. I, I, people, I guess, were expecting like a full boxing match i also want to say there's a lot mm. of boxing matches that are uh way shorter than what we saw
0: with the <laughs> there, right yeah it goes all 12 rounds yeah know.
1: exactly yeah 12 uh 12th round and then i think 12 seconds in which was uh which is cool mm-hmm. uh, very very perfect uh, conclusion for uh creed's victory you know
0: yeah it's yeah this is a, a, a kind of weird boxing movie where it really does, feel, you know. In most in most boxing movies, boxing is a metaphor, but in this, it really does feel like it's kind of a metaphor, even more than most times. It's just I I, I don't think people are kind of prepared for just how I don't want to say flippantly, Jordan, like because I mean it's it's a boxing movie. It's about boxing, but I I just I don't think he was really thinking long and hard about how to stage the fight so it looks like perfect like like a perfect boxing fight how you might see on on cable or or on the internet or something i I think it he he really was thinking a bit more broadly about oh, what, the what the fight means and the emotions yeah, yeah yeah
1: exactly which i think is why this is uh you know i would say the best creed and one of the better uh of the rockies there's so much heart and yeah every single one of the characters mm-hmm. uh even like just the more minor ones like victor drago and everything you're really you're caring about them and i do like that yeah but the uh his mom too like that was that was very emotional and that was very well done um i do think i do think maybe like that could have been done in the first or second i think you know
0: know,
1: (laughs) as a as a main character in like a boxing film any real like kind of action uh, his mom lasting that long was kind of impressive right but uh she's a great actor so that that was done well i just don't know if it needs to be in this one
0: it was a great scene also yeah yeah like uh, that scene um... i'll tell you what i'll tell you what it Mm. did help the
1: argument and, that uh, Tessa and Michael uh, had—that uh, mm-hmm. sorry, Donna, Creed and Bianca had—so no, no, mm-hmm. it definitely incorporated into other elements I thought were even stronger.
0: Yeah, it deals with a lot with um, it, it plays with certain like ideas that uh, I, I guess ideas about identity that have been there at least in the at least in the first movie, maybe not so much in the second movie, but the fact that donnie was an illegitimate child um that he was adopted by apollo creed's uh very understanding wife after apollo dies um and is brought into this home where he was you know he's a creed but he's not a creed um like not officially and um really yeah yeah you know it really talks about made families like how how we make families how we how we you know you know relate to each other and even if we're not related
1: yeah yeah we already mentioned briefly but like his family uh tessa thompson and bianca and his child were were really great and i loved their uh camaraderie and the ending just being kind of them having yeah, a three party match in the, in the boxing right? And it was really sweet, <laughs> and yeah. his daughter. Like you could tell what what they're building up to, and it's really cool. I I would love to see in the future her uh, her as a boxer.
0: Yeah, that part is interesting. Um, if if that's if they're thinking that far ahead, it's like we're if it, you know 10, 10 or twelve years, we'll get you know uh, yeah, or just like let our imaginations have some fun with that. Like it'll be Creed six. It'll be Amara in the. <laughs> doing you know boxing at the olympics or something it's hey it could it could happen i that would be interesting it it is this really was a test in a lot of ways i mean it was a test for jordan as a director and um yeah i did great you're right it's
1: his first i hadn't even processed movie first
0: movie it's and uh, you know that's that's incredible first kind of rocky movie without stallone um you know i guess it would have been nice if he did a cameo i don't think it was needed um i, I think no, that I I might
1: have like uh taken us away from the, the kind of emotional depth
0: yeah and, I, I think it was fine without him um yes there, I, i've heard i've seen a lot of people say well it would have been nice if you had a cameo in this scene in particular <laughs> it's like well you know i'll assume it happened off screen i don't need to i don't need to see everything yeah. um it, and it also answered the question like can you have like is there enough like creative juice that they could crank out some more creed movies i think so I wouldn't mind seeing another Korean movie. Um, if, if the story's right, um, yeah. Well,
1: I I think they could do one like where he like loses maybe, right? Like that's this you know like the first Rocky Rocky he loses, so the next one he could have a fall, and then the one after that you know come back again or something.
0: Yeah, and, and the know? thing I really appreciated about this was that this idea that it's it's not about <laughs> it's not about beating each other senseless. You mentioned you know Ivan Drago's back, um, or Victor ivan drago was the original guy victor drago's his son mm. victor drago's in it um also the guy he fought in creed one uh, uh pretty boy i think his nickname is pretty boy conlin or whatever his name is yeah uh, is, is in it and you know that that's a lot of fun the idea of like you you know the the, the, the camaraderie of former opponents and and things like that and you know maybe there's still you know room to have jonathan majors back at some point but yeah it's this it's well acted it's well shot Uh, um the confidence of jordan as a director first time director is impressive some of this stuff was shot in imax too which is like next level like you know uh most (laughs) most directors start on eight millimeter uh jordan starts on imax Um,
1: (laughs) Mm. that is an accomplishment right there yeah it's, it's
0: yeah so it's you know it works uh the formula works um there's just enough about this to make it different that uh that you know it doesn't feel quite like a typical rocky or a typical creed movie in terms of what we expect either so no
1: you honestly you don't have to have uh viewed like i would say view the at least the creeds but you don't need to it's still fun it's just it's really fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's still enough uh a dialogue between like we've been saying him and his family and his friends for you to uh, to learn enough to care for the matches
0: yeah and and yeah. i like i don't think it, it's like i've been saying too it's like it's the boxing is almost superfluous it's it's because it's the the boxing is is an expression of emotion and inner turmoil uh inner turmoil and um you know that's why he we kind of get that confidence in the end where we take the 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 crowd watching the boxing away and it's all about the two guys fighting mm-hmm. it's just it's 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 the rare sports or boxing movie where the sport or the boxing isn't the point yeah it just, i feel it just uh yeah oh i so, just
1: uh also um mm. i i kind of wish uh the boxing that's going on right now would learn from creed 3 and it would become more like that <laughs> I think it's honestly a great look at to how boxing should be. You know, uh, a Dodger Stadium, true boxers fighting as opposed to guitar watching Jake Paul fight some nobody, right? It's it's
0: that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing too. Is is that in in these movies, like boxing is still like a gentlemanly pursuit, where in in you know in real and life bo- boxing's a hot mess.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a part of Twitch more than it is like actual physical actions and training it's like
0: back in the day like the 80s and 90s like when they had like the title fights on hbo like that was an occasion like and it was like the pay-per-view fights like you paid 30 bucks to watch a fight like now now it's just now yeah boxing in real life like name 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 like a boxer like from right now it's jay paul and logan paul there you go well i mean (laughs) name real name real athletes and not like attention seekers uh, Floyd Mayweather <laughs> still boxes sometimes all right, but, like, let's, let's that, all right you win all right you win all right no but no you're
1: right there's like even Floyd Mayweather he's like he's, he's more dominant in like the last gens uh boxing so no there isn't really any A-list to the same level there used to be with him and Foreman and Tyson
0: yeah Alright, we'll have to wrap up the show there. We hope you liked it. If you want to listen to us again, you can find the show on our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday through Podbean, or on your favorite app at Apple Stitcher, Google TuneIn, and Spotify. On Spotify, you can also find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the show. Just search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook and End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you out there on the internet?
1: As per usual, Mr.
0: Towerack on YouTube and Twitter. Alrighty. I'll be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can seek out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will be back here next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits. And we will see you then.